0: Welcome to My Business Playbook, where we pull back the curtain on the steps and missteps of successful people. You'll hear a raw and unfiltered play by play of what's worked and what hasn't, giving you helpful advice and insights so you can create an amazing business. I'm your host, Laura Higgins, and this is My Business Playbook. Hello, and welcome back to My Business Playbook. It is so good to be with you today. Now, you know how sometimes influencers on Instagram will post a story and they'll be like, a lot of you guys have been asking me about such and such. And then they kind of proceed to like jump into a promotion and you're like, did anyone ask you about that? Like, I don't know, maybe I'm I'm the cynical one, but I'm kind of like, who asked you? <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know. No one wants to know what tea you're drinking. I don't really care about that. Anyway, that might be me being a little bit cynical. So, Apologies. But I actually, a lot of people do ask me this and I wanted to preface it by saying, I know that it sounds like I'm making this up, but I'm really not. A lot of business owners come to me and they're like, okay, I'm really doing all the things right. I'm doing all the right things. I'm adding value on social media. I'm creating this high quality content. I'm engaging with my community. I'm creating these raving fans on social media. But when it comes to my paid offers, I pretty much just hear crickets. And like, why am I not making sales? I I actually get asked this a lot. And the problem is so many business owners don't leverage social media to make sales. And it's either because they don't know how to, or they're afraid of coming across as pushy or salesy on social media. And if that sounds like you, if you feel like, oh man, I don't really know how to use social media to make sales, then this conversation is definitely for you. Today, I'm joined by sales expert, Ryan Dowdy, who is the co-founder of Social Sellers Academy and host of the Daily Sales On Demand for CEOs podcast. Now, Ryan and I met recently because I was a guest on her show and I knew we just had to have her on my business playbook to talk all things social selling because she is An absolute sales boss. So, in today's conversation, we are talking specifically about selling on social media. You'll learn how to leverage your direct messages, how often you should be promoting your services on social media. Yes, you should be promoting your services. The key sales metrics you should be measuring, and how to create a simple formula that allows you to reverse engineer your sales so you can actually take control of the growth of your business using social selling. Oh my goodness, this is so good. This conversation is amazing. Let's dive straight into my conversation with Ryan Dowdy. Ryan, it's so good to have you with me today. I'm so looking forward to our conversation about social selling and sales and all of the selling things. It's going to be amazing. How are you today?
1: I am great, Laura. Thank you so much. And uh, thanks for the opportunity to have this conversation. It is obviously my favorite thing to talk about. So I'm pumped.
0: I am so excited. And I'm also so excited to learn that you're from Kansas City. That's a super fun time. And randomly, I was telling you before we hit record, I've been to Kansas City and played a gig in Kansas City, which is like kind of awesome. So it's great to be chatting with you. And I love what I love about the podcast is like, couple weeks back, I was speaking with someone from Atlanta. This week I'm speaking with you. We've spoken with, you know, other people like from Michigan and all over the place. So it's, it's really fun being able to connect with people all over. So I want to talk to you about, I really want to get into some practical business and selling advice because I know that that is totally your zone. But before we begin, tell us a bit about what you do and how you started.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I always say it's my favorite thing about online entrepreneurship is that I get to do random things like have conversations with people in Australia when it's technically tomorrow where you are, which I just always (laughs) find so trippy. Like it's, it's my favorite part. So uh, there's a lot of favorite parts. I, I say that a lot. I'm like, this is my favorite part. And this is my favorite part. And I really just love all of it. But um, so how did I start? So what I do now, I am the uh, CEO and co-founder of Social Sellers Academy. Um, and Social Sellers Academy, we, um, we teach social sellers. Um, so we people ha- teach people how to leverage social media um, as a sales tool in their business. And we uh, we work primarily with uh, seven and eight figure CEOs and their sales teams. Uh, but we also help, you know, six and six figure entrepreneurs put in place sales systems so they can eventually get to that place where they can outsource when they feel like they're starting to become that bottleneck. And they're like, OK, I'm ready. What do I need to have in place to make this happen? So that is what we do. Um, how did I start? I actually started my my career in sales a million years ago, totally on accident. Um, I graduated college and I had studied marketing and actually thought that I was going to get into like PR and public relations and couldn't find a job in PR um, when I graduated. And so I took a sales job and I essentially learned that sales and PR were kind of the same thing. But when you got somebody to say yes in sales, you got paid commission. (laughs) And you did yes. not get that in PR. So I was like, oh, well, yeah, we're, we're doing this, right? So um, I grew up selling advertising and marketing of all shapes and sizes. So literally radio, TV, print, digital, like you name it, I've sold it. Um, Fell in love with like the startup marketing, like the MarTech space, if you will, um, around 2011 and played there for a little while, had the opportunity to travel, um, travel the United States and train sales reps, uh, became a channel sales manager, um, like covering the entire Midwest for another digital marketing agency. And I found Laura that I had a knack for like Building sales organizations and making them profitable and then like handing them back. I was like, okay, I'm done here. And I was like, it does not make for a very good career to just keep moving every two to three years. I was like, that's <laughs> not. That doesn't, that doesn't say anything good about me. So um, you know, I-, I knew that something had to change. I was like, I don't want to do this for the rest of my life. Like, I know what the next step up the ladder is and the next step and the next step. And just wasn't the road I wanted to go on. So I started networking and talking to people and learned about online entrepreneurship, which literally before 2017, I did not know existed in any capacity at all. Um, to me, I thought that I would have to like change industries or like, again, just thought I would wind up in another traditional corporate job, but maybe just doing what I was doing in a different facet. So it was more interesting to me and um, fell in love with what happens on the internet and how, you know, the basically the, the expert space or the education space and started coaching. Um, well, it took me a long time to get there, but I'll, I'll give you the short version of the story is I learned that there's a giant gap in the market in teaching sales and teaching sales in a way that you're a non-salesperson can understand it. Because there's a lot of people teaching sales that are sales experts, teaching sales to salespeople. And that's great and all well and good. And and we do that, right? But what about the average Joe entrepreneur, CEO, small business owner who has to learn how to sell for their business to be successful? Who's teaching sales to them um, in a non-sales, jargony way? And so that was really the gap that I sought to fill. And it's evolved and changed and grown and ebbed and flowed over the past few years. But here we are.
0: That's amazing and you're so right because I think so often and and this is a lot of our audience are technicians and they're really good at what they do. And so what happens is when we go all right, we're ready to take our business to the next level, let's look at marketing, let's also look at sales. So many people go, oh, I feel a bit nervous about both of those ideas. And selling, I know I know for a lot of people. And particularly, I don't know if this is an Australian thing. There's this kind of aversion to selling. Like we kind of, and I think it's just universal, right? It's universal. Yeah. Because it's like, it's like, oh, I don't want to be pushy. I don't want to do this. But really, um, you know, my first, really my first business coach was a sales coach. And for me, I realized I hated, I hated sales. But actually what I've realized is now it's actually one of my biggest strengths in the business because I've learned how to do it in a way that works for me. Not not like, hey, follow this six-step framework and, you know, like it felt all of those things that I'd seen about selling seemed a little bit sleazy or seemed a little bit like, oh, that doesn't feel like me or that's not in my kind of using my voice. I, I don't know. So I love that you've kind of gone, all right there's this idea and there's this model of selling that really works. But how do we, you know, communicate that in language that the average Joe, the average business owner, CEO, online entrepreneur can understand? I love that you do that.
1: Yeah, it is not, it's by no means Australian, the aversion to sales. The aversion to sales is is universal. And I think, Laura, it comes from, I think there's a few things happening there. One, um, it comes from, you know, we've all had that sales experience, right, with that one person who like wouldn't take no for any answer or was super pushy or made us feel bad about our decision if we were saying no. You know, so, so most of us have been there in some capacity. But then also, you know, not too long ago, and I mean, like in the last 20 years, sales was controlled by the sales rep. Right, like I when I was, if I was trying to sell you advertising twenty years ago, I would be one of very few sources of information you had about advertising. Right, I would come into your office and I would tell you this is how advertising works, and this is why you should buy radio, and this is why it's such an amazing medium, and this is how it's going to work, and da 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 da. But like Google wasn't hot yet, right? Like you couldn't go to Google and be like. Radio advertising better than print advertising. Like that information wasn't available to you. The only information we had available to us was what the salesperson sitting in our office told us. And what would happen is we would buy things and then we would find out in another conversation with somebody else that like that person lied to me. Right. Or that's not exactly true. So I think at one point in time, the salesperson held all the power. And now as the consumer has access to more and more information and right, we can can go look for social proof, you know, hey, I'm considering Facebook ads versus YouTube ads. What's your experience, right? They don't have to trust Laura's word for it or my word for it or the salesperson who's trying to sell them YouTube ads. They can go ask whoever they want on the web. And so I think that's when the shift really happened. But I think that we're still stuck in that space of this salesperson's trying to dupe me into something or they're trying to BS me or they're trying to you know, give me information that's not necessarily true, which I think that that's impossible at this point in game, because we have access to so much information. But I think a lot of our mindsets are still there.
0: Totally. And on that, on on the mindset front, what do you think in working with, you know, you've worked with so many business owners. Do you see there's a common theme in, in mindset shifts that people need to make when it comes to selling, particularly online?
1: Yes, (laughs) <laughs> it all the way? It's, all, it's all a mindset shift, Laura. Um, the first one is uh, an obvious one, but when we sell something to someone else, um, we're not taking money from them. Yeah. We're giving them a service.
0: I love it. And
1: that is one of the biggest things. And and again, I started primarily working with newer entrepreneurs, um, you know, before the launch of Social Sellers Academy. And that was their biggest thing is I was taking money. You know, if I'm a social media manager, I'm taking that person's money. If I'm a VA, I'm taking that person's money. And so we had to make that mindset shift. If you're not taking anyone's money, you are providing a service and being paid for it. And so that's the biggest mindset shift I think that we need to make is that they're, you know, I'm not taking from you. I'm actually giving to you. Um, And when we're good at our job... Like you said, you know, those of you who are listening are are technicians who are excellent at what you do. I like to think most of the time they're getting a bargain. You know, most of the time I'm like, when I hear some of the stuff that people are offering what they're charging, I'm like... That is a great deal. And so I think that's a mindset shift that we need to make as technicians and service providers that actually the value that I'm giving in exchange for the cash that I'm getting, I'm actually the one giving here. So I think that's one of the first mindset shifts that we need to make. And then the second one, uh, and I could go on for days, but the second one is this idea that like selling is not or sales is not something you do to someone. Yeah. Right. Like sales is a two way conversation Sales is, when done well and done right, is when two people agree to be having a sales conversation, right? You have a solution. This person has a problem. They've agreed they want to talk to you about it. They're, you know, they're open to it. They're excited about it. So I think that's a mindset shift, too, because sometimes we think that, like, sales is this thing we have to do to other people to talk them into working with us. I'm like, no, 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 no. It's just a conversation. And and it's it's two parties are both excited to be there and both excited to have the conversation. Even if we wind up not working together, it's a positive experience for the people involved.
0: I love that. So yeah, it's really about, it's really about understanding that actually I'm not taking money. I'm actually giving value. I love that. And then it's not something that we do to people. I love that too. That's so good because it, it used to feel for me, it really used to feel like, Oh, like, I don't want to get on the phone with someone. I don't want to meet them face to face because what if they ask me a question I don't know the answer to, or what happens if, if I can tell they're not into it and it's not a good fit. And I love the idea of, well, it's just a conversation and that's, we have conversations every day. So it's actually taking the pressure out of it. I love that. So talk to me about with social, like just rewind for a sec, uh, with Social Sellers Academy. Talk to me about what what you do there, because I know that that informs a lot of your approach. So talk to me about your academy.
1: Yeah. So the, the academy itself, it's a six-month sales training program where we yeah. intensively train social sellers um, on how to be excellent salespeople, how to be excellent sales professionals. So we actually coach live um, five days a week. And the reason that we do that is, you know, we've all heard that quote, that it takes 10,000 hours to develop mastery. Right. Yeah. Um, and so we want to make sure that so the, the people that we're training, and, and again, we're probably about 70, 30, 70% are social sellers, 30% are CEOs who are like, hey, I need to figure this out before I hire one. But the majority of them, you know, it's about developing mastery, it's about working that muscle, and it's about, you know, practicing. And even today, we were role playing and we were talking through direct message conversations and, You know how how do I zig when this person zags? How do I follow up when the conversation has fallen off? Um, So I think the approach that we take is very focused on human to human connection. Um, It's very focused on uh, problem solving. It's very focused on service. You know, how do we how do we serve the people in our ecosystem, um, whether it's our Instagram followers, the people in our Facebook group, or, you know, the people who we're connected to on LinkedIn, or, you know, how, how do we serve in the best way possible? Uh, and so that's that's really the focus we take. But we do it very intensively um, in, in training five days a week for six months.
0: Amazing. And so can you explain to me the concept of social selling? Like, what actually is social selling?
1: Yeah. Social selling, simply, Laura, is leveraging social media as a sales tool. Okay.
0: Oh. That's Love it. that.
1: It's not, I mean, it's not magical. And there's a lot of people that have painted it as like social selling is like, you know, the best thing since length spread. And I'm like, I was like the OG of social selling. I've had a LinkedIn account before LinkedIn was cool. Like I grew up in sales, but the way I describe it is, you know, when I started my career in sales back in 2005, you know, we, we went to networking events, we made phone calls, we sent emails, we, um, you know, we went and pulled doors. Like we would walk through a you know, an office park and pull doors and drop off pamphlets and flyers and go to networking events. And, you know, it was a very manual process. Um, you know, like I literally we had to like print the directions, like the MapQuest directions to like go see the car dealer on that other side of town and go have a conversation. Like that's how long ago I started selling. <laughs> so to me, social selling is that it takes out that front part of it. And most of those relationships and connections can be made on social media, um, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, Clubhouse, you know, TikTok. I mean, you see it happening everywhere right now and whatever's to come in the future. So to me, social selling is instead of just the old school philosophy of cold calling and emailing and networking and door pulling. It's now, you know, engaging, nurturing, uh, you know, sending direct messages, building relationships on social media um, instead of doing it face to face. Or for some people, it's an and, right? Because I I think you work with quite a few traditional businesses that still maybe have brick and mortar presence. presence. For me, it's an and. It's not an either or, right? If your in-person sales process is working for you, game on, like keep doing it. But add in a layer of social selling and see if it increases your effectiveness. Um, So for me, I think they work together very, very well if, um, you know, that's what makes the best sense for your business. But for me, I think social media has given us this gift, Laura, where we can have conversations, you know, with someone in Australia and, you know, talk about how we can support one another and collaborate in podcast episodes and things like that, which social selling obviously always, or I'm sorry, traditional selling pretty much put us in our back door or as far as like a phone call could take us
0: totally. And so if someone you know, if someone's thinking about I find a lot of the time when people come to me and they're like, "Laura, I need help with my marketing. I'm not getting results." A lot of the time people understand the idea that I need to be adding value in my content. I need to be showing up. I need to be consistent. I need to be engaging. I need to be responding to all the comments I get on all the different social media platforms. But I think a lot of the time people are having trouble with converting. So they're adding a lot of value there. They're really spending a lot of time in the front, like the free content they're giving, but then they're really struggling to convert and to sell. And so what would you say is a simple strategy to kind of actually take, okay, the, the work that you're doing in adding value, creating all this beautiful educational value adding content. How do we go from there to we're making sales?
1: Absolutely. I think there's a ton of different directions you can go and everyone's approach is going to be a little bit different. But first and foremost, Laura, what I find is people do one of two things on social media in their content. One is all they do is sell, which probably not your people because that's not what you teach. Um, But then on the (laughs) flip side, they never sell, right? I see people pumping out fantastic content and it's amazing and it's good and it's fun and engaging and they never say, hey, buy my thing. You know, um, book a consultation. Attend my free masterclass. You know, come into my store and mention. You know, get ten percent off. Like we we forget to ask, right? And it goes back to like the old school Gary Vaynerchuk, like jab 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 right hook. Right. Yes. And so we're either, you know, we're either just jabbing, jabbing, jabbing and, and hoping, you know, trying to avoid throwing the right hook, which is the same, like the ask, or yeah. we're just right hook, right hook, right hook until people like we just beat the crap out of our audience and they're done with us. Right. <laughs> so to yes. me, it, it's it's remembering to do both of those things. So that's that's the first part of how do we use this amazing work we're doing on the front end. Um, and then what I personally um, do is I think social media has given us, uh, us, the consumer, an opportunity to hide um, and so for me, when we're putting out great content and people are commenting and they're liking and they're consistently engaging, like we just jump out and invite them in. Hey, Laura, thank you so much um, for liking our YouTube video. What was your favorite part? And actually opening a dialogue with people instead of waiting. Like we, I think sometimes we have this idea that we have to just put out the good content and wait till somebody says, how do I buy your things? Right. And you know, sometimes it works that way and eventually it will work that way once you have a big enough brand and a big enough presence, but I don't know, know where you're at in business. But when I was just starting, I didn't have time to build, you know, I didn't have time to wait to build this giant audience till people were banging down my door. I had to go to them and I had to say, hey, Laura, you know, thanks for always engaging in my content. Like I see that you do this. That's so cool. And just really start conversations with our people. Notice like, you know, if that person has liked every single one of your Instagram photos, like send them a DM and thank them. Right. Or go out and engage with them right? We want people to engage with us. We want people to consume our content, but are we out consuming content of our people? Are we commenting? Are we engaging? Are we building relationships? So I think so often, you know, content marketing to me, it's the, it's the, it's the thing that invites people in, but like now we've got them in the store and it's like, are we going to talk to them or are we going to ignore them? You know? And, And so to me, social selling is, is, talking to them and inviting them in and, you know, asking them how their day is going and asking them what they're looking for and asking them how we can serve them and then asking them about their kids and talking about the weather and asking them where they're from and then talking about what we can help them with. Um, and just really kind of working through building a relationship and solving a problem.
0: I love that because it's so authentic. It's really not pushy and it's so relational, right? Because you're so right. Like the people who, the people who are just selling on social media and like it's buy my things, buy my things, buy my things, those people kind of stick out like a sore thumb really because it's, it's so, is, is that actually an expression that you guys say, stick out like a sore right. thumb? Yes, that one. I, yeah. <laughs> I'm always like, does, is that an expression that like anyone else understands? Anyway, yep. um, <laughs> so, but, but totally, but I totally see the problem being that we aren't asking that's such a good point of like okay it, we need to frequently not all the time but we need to kind of regularly go have i asked anyone to to come into like a a greater level of service by being in my paid program because i think what happens is you know a lot of people ask oh like am i giving away too much free helpful content am i am i giving away too much and and i do think it comes to this question of well really selling, selling your paid service or your paid product or your online course or whatever it is, that service that you're providing is actually how you, what you're selling to them is actually how you serve them more. And so I think it's this, this balance, right, of, of really going, Hey, we can serve you at a greater level. And in order to do that, you have to kind of opt into a paid something, right? Mm-hmm.
1: I always say when someone is concerned about can I give away too much for free? And one of the things that I coach to all of the time, Laura, is information is cheap. Like, Mm -hmm. honestly, like information is cheap. If you want to learn sales, like I've got a library of sales books in my office that I have studied for years. Right. For years. Like I have read and reread and trained and made it my own. And I've sat in hours and hours and hours of training and, you know, I can give that all to you for free and that's perfectly fine. And some people will take it and run with it and others won't. Right. Like you, we've all heard that idea of like those that pay, pay attention. Yeah. Um, information is cheap. So, you know, to me, it's I can tell you exactly what I teach inside of my paid programs and what you the people that get it for free are like, yeah, yeah that's cool. Great. And the people that pay for it are like, OK, I got to go put this into practice. Like that is the difference. So to me, I, I think it is pretty much impossible to give away too much for free.
0: I believe that if you can market your business, you can grow your business. So if you're a small business owner wondering why the heck your business isn't growing, or you're wanting to take it to the next level, then my marketing playbook is for you. In this course that's designed especially for small business owners, we cover everything from social media, email list building, messaging, website design, copywriting, Facebook ads, and more. The waitlist for My Marketing Playbook is now open and you can sign up to get first access at mymarketingplaybook.com forward slash course. I hope to see your name in there because I know this is gonna help you grow your business. So one thing you talk a lot about is building sales systems. And so what does this actually look like for two things when someone's starting out building a sales system in their business, it's, it's less reactive and it's actually more like, okay, I need a system for this, but also what is, how does that play out? How does that system apply to social media? Because I feel like it's a, it's a slightly different kind of approach, right?
1: Totally. You know, for me, we talk a lot about sales systems, which is like, what do we do when a new, lead enters our world? What does that look like? You know, and again, whether we've generated that lead through Facebook ads, um, whether that lead has organically joined our Facebook group, whether that lead has simply followed us on Instagram, what do we do? There is somebody new in our universe. What are the steps that we take to build a relationship with them and qualify them to understand where do they belong in our funnel? Um, Because not all leads are created equal. And I think that that is something we get hung up on is we're like, oh, yeah, I have 30,000 Instagram followers. I'm like, that's awesome. You know, and I love that for you. And I think that's great. But what percentage of them are actually your people like actually going to buy your stuff, buy your programs, buy your services, refer their friends to you? You, you're amazing. And so, what we need to do is we need to figure out who are our raving fans, who we love and adore, and we create all that free content for. And then, who are those actual qualified people that we need to actually be nurturing and building a relationship with and continually fighting into opportunities to buy our stuff? So, um, that is what we kind of identify as a sales system. And Everybody does it a little bit differently, but most people don't have it documented in any way. And the reason that we are very passionate about documenting it is because once we document it and understand it and know the numbers that go into it, it's it's almost then becomes like a scientific equation, right? If I do this, 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 and this, it should yield a client. Um, And what that does is extremely freeing, A, gives us our roadmap, but B, eventually gets it to a place where we can scale. If we know the step-by-step-by-step-by-step to create a client we can create more clients. Um, you know, is that by hiring a sales team? Is that by, you know, adding in a certain layer of automation? Or is that just turning on the ad faucet and bringing in more people because we now know exactly how to convert them, right? So for me, a sales system is a duplicatable, predictable system um, that we can use to convert people. And the reason I think in social selling, it's it's not too different in traditional sales, but in social selling, it's nuanced in a lot of ways because, you know, we we might find someone on Instagram and we're like, oh my gosh, that person would be perfect for our programs. Like we think they're amazing, they're great, but like maybe Instagram isn't where they hang out online. So we might bounce to LinkedIn and connect with Laura over on LinkedIn because that's where Laura interacts with her people, right? Um, and so on social media, we're trying to really kind of create this omnipresence and. I think it's super easy to be able to add value, you know, comment, interact, engage um, with our people. So for us, it's very much like, what are the steps? What is the activity I need to know? Like, is it, if I if I do this thing every single day, it will yield this many clients every single week.
0: Yeah, that's so cool. And so at what point, and this, this might be kind of a strange question, but at what point do you kind of go, all right, I've seen that person engage a lot, at what point do you kind of slide into their DMs a little bit and, and kind of start the conversation? And and are you just kind of chatting about anything and everything or are you kind of, are you, are you warming them up or are you kind of going straight into it? How does that kind of play out?
1: Yeah. So the, the answer to the first question is like, how often do you need to see somebody before you engage with them? For me, I don't think it's a lot. You know, like we're pretty big on, on building community. So every person who follows our Instagram gets a DM from us. Hey, Laura, thank you so much for being part of our community. We're so glad that you're here. We'd love to serve you. You know, I see that you run a marketing agency. Oh my gosh, your Instagram is beautiful. What's your favorite thing about running your agency, right? And we're just starting conversations with everybody because conversations equals relationships and relationships equals clients. And I think that every single relationship adds value in some capacity, right? Are they going to all become clients? No, right? But maybe they become collaboration partners. Maybe they become referral partners. Maybe they become, you know raving fans who just love our brand and share their stuff with their people, right? There's, there's a way to impact everyone. So, you know, we're, we tend to be a little bit more aggressive, but you know, other people do, um, do things differently. So for us, it's just, thanks for being part of our community. And then we're gauging that person's response. You can tell whether or not somebody wants to have a conversation with you and we're definitely not forcing it, right? I'm not forcing you to chat with me if you don't want to. Um, but I am letting you know that I see you and I appreciate you. And I'm so glad that you're here and we value our followers and we want to build a relationship with you if you want. Um, So so that's kind of step one to it. And then the second part of what you asked was what is your intention in your conversation? And the intention is always twofold. It's always to build a relationship and it's to qualify because like I said, not all leads are created equal and we can spend a whole lot of time with the wrong people. um, If we're not careful, right? So, you know, we're always there like human first, like one of our biggest values is human to human connection. So it's always about build a relationship first, but I'm also asking specific questions to figure out what bucket do I put this person in, like new raving fan, potential client, potential referral partner, you know, potential collaboration partner. So I'm asking questions, but I'm doing it in a conversational way. So like I gave you an example of what our welcome message was. And then I ask you, you know, how'd you get into marketing? I'm like, oh my gosh, that's so cool, you know? And then I ask you how long you've been doing it and how big your team is, and those types of things. So to me, I genuinely want to know, but that's also a qualifier for us, right? We work primarily with people with teams. So I'm asking a team question on purpose, because if you're like, oh, it's just me, I'm just a solopreneur. We're like, cool, not a potential client, maybe potential referral partner, right? And so we're asking those questions. But at the same time, we're still focusing on the person to person aspect of it, too. It's not, um, it's not an interrogation. It's not I just have to check these boxes as quickly as possible. It's let the conversation go where the conversation goes, just like you would if you were in person.
0: Yeah, that's so cool. And so then from there, do you do you have that data? You know, obviously it's in your DMs and your Facebook messages. Yeah. Where do you kind of store that? Do you kind of just keep a mental note of, okay, well, this person kind of sits here or, or do you have a system for that?
1: We use, we use Trello. We use Trello boards. They're, that's not at all what Trello was designed to do, um, but it works beautifully for us. So if we bring Laura into our world and we start to build a relationship and have a conversation, we're tracking that conversation. Um, because for me, sales is a long game right? You may follow me on Instagram today, and you might not buy anything from me for eight to 10 months, right? That might happen. So I want to have an ongoing relationship with Laura. And so where we do track that data, we have clients who use Google Sheets, we have clients that use ClickUp, we have clients that use like actual real CRMs, like HubSpot and stuff like that. Um, But we use Trello boards because it's very low tech and it's very simple. And I have a team of four sellers. And so it's easy. It's searchable. I can be like, oh, is anybody else talking to Laura? Oh, not yet. Okay, cool. You know, I'm going to add Laura to my board and I'm going to make sure I continue to nurture her and build a relationship with her.
0: Cool. I love that. And Trello is so simple and straightforward. That's so cool. So Final question for you. I, I know that you have so much wisdom to share, but so we're thinking about so we've we've nailed our content, we're now regularly yeah. asking people into our paid yep. offers, whatever they are, and then we're building those relationships via DMs and, and comments mm-hmm. and, and really kind of nurturing those people. Yep. What are the what are the key metrics we should be measuring when it comes to social selling? What are what are kind of the the goalposts that we're looking at?
1: Yeah. So we track about five or six pretty consistently. Um, And I keep referring to my team. I just want you guys to be clear. Like when I was a one man show, I did these things too. When I was doing all of the selling in my business, because again, the only way that you ever get to outsource it is to understand it. Um, So, you know, for me, even if you're like, well, I don't have a team, Ryan, that's okay. Like you still need to know. Like, so we track how many new people we're talking to every day. Um, and then we track how many, how many conversations we're nurturing every day, because we need to, uh, what I see happen a lot. And this was more of my corporate experience is we would be, we would be really either maybe really top heavy and new, 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 and we weren't pulling anybody through the funnel, or we would have, you know, a ton of people that we've been talking to for like 10 months who haven't bought anything and like no new leads at all. So I want to make sure we're consistently adding new people to our pipeline, um, and that we're consistently nurturing the people that are in our pipeline and pulling them through, um, and so those two things are really big for us. And then ultimately, I'm then tracking um, invitations, right? Are we making invitations to sales calls? Um, you know, how many sales calls are we booking? And then how many sales calls does it take us to get a client? Um, if you're selling via sales calls, right? Uh, maybe you're maybe you're inviting people to a masterclass or a live launch or a webinar, right? So, you know, we're tracking those conversion numbers as well. So, you know, I invited 20 people to our upcoming free webinar um, and eight of them said they would register, right? So I'm tracking those conversions. Numbers because again, I'm trying to come up with a formula. You know, I, I know that I need 500 people to register for my masterclass to hit my sales goals. And I know that for every 20 people that I invite, eight say yes. I'm really bad at math, but I can scale that up <laughs> with a <the> calculator, <laughs> okay, only with calculator though. But I can scale that up and say, okay, well, I need to make X, Y, Z number of invitations to get to my number. Um, or, you know, if you might say, oh, well, we need 500, but 250 are going to come from ads. You know, so where are these other 250 going to come from? So for us, it's new people we're talking to conversations we're nurturing um, and then invitations to sales calls and then sales calls to conversion uh, because then we know all right if I need to run five sales calls to get one sale and my goal this month is five sales right I need to run 25 sales calls
0: Um, so
1: you know and then maybe to run 25 sales calls I might need to make 50 invitations to sales calls to get 25 people to say yes because everybody I extend an invitation to a sales call might not say yes right so um so it's just kind of reverse engineering those numbers but that's what we track
0: that is so cool because it also means you're kind of the master of your growth because you can actually go, all right. It's it's just a formula. It's it's just it's an problem. invitation. It's just a conversation. It's making it less heightened and kind of like, oh, there's pressure on this, and it actually becomes no. Well, it it's a um, a bit of a numbers mm-hmm. the the conversion part of it is is a numbers game, and I think that is right. so cool to have that control, you know, any control freaks out there <laughs> like me who want to like, know But that. it's the I same for it.
1: marketing, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, you, you know that as well. You know, the conversion rate of the average webinar is yep. between two and five percent. Right. Mm-hmm. So we know if we need 10 sales, we need X and Y number of people. And we know if we get X number of people registered, 46 percent will show up live. Right. So, you know, it's you know, your marketing numbers to us. It's just adding a layer of knowing the sales numbers as well and marrying the two. Like I said, for me, it's not it's never an either or it's always an and. Right. If, if webinars and, you know, masterclasses and live launches and, you know, whatever work for you, game on. Don't ever stop doing that. But, you know, being prepared for change are we seeing that like, you know, webinars are they're not, they're not converting as high as they were mm-hmm. three years ago, depending on who your audience is. Just because people are like, okay, yeah, I know, I know what this is, and I don't know if I want that, you know, it just depends on who you're selling to. So for me, it's just always having multiple ways to enroll people in our programs and bring people in for our services. So I'm not saying stop doing what you're doing, but adding in a layer of social selling and really understanding those numbers as well. Like you said, it allows you to turn the dial on and off for your growth.
0: Yeah, and I love that it's not your approach is really not um, an either or, and it's not a thing of, well, social media is all just about relationship and it is about relationship, but relationship leads to selling uh, and it has to lead to that ask, right? Because um, it's, and, and this is what my sales coach would say to me. He was like, think about it like you're walking to your car and you see someone who has like 10 grocery bags and they're struggling to get their keys out of their pocket to like, unlock the car to get the grocery bags in the car. He's like, the actual, the best thing you can do is say, Hey, can I take one of the bags off you so you can take the keys out of your pocket and get into your car? Like it's actually the ask is, is really serving and it's the best way we can serve. So I, I feel like I love your approach because it's really about using what so many of our audience are already doing on social media. They're beautiful and they're adding value and they're really engaging, but leveraging that to serve and sell. It's so cool. And one more question for you. I know I said this, that was my last question, but one more question for someone who's like, okay, I've done my content plan. How often should I be asking for the sale? Like, do you have a number for that? Or is that kind of a, it depends totally on your business?
1: I think it depends a lot on your business and it depends a lot on what's going on. You know, so again, we, we traditionally follow like jab, 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 right hook. So give, 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 ask, right? Love give, it. give, give, ask, give, 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 ask is, is what we follow traditionally. But if we are promoting a masterclass or a launch or a conversion event of some kind, we do up the number of invitations because we know that the average social media post has a shelf life of three hours. So in our content, we will up our ask level when it's specific to something that's like dated or time sensitive. So again, if you're, you know, if you're, you've got this content calendar, your value, 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 but you know, you're launching a new program or you've got something exciting coming up or you're, you're opening cart on your, you know, mastermind that you only do twice a year. Like in that promo period, you're going to up your asks, right? But that you'll also have your baseline period where it's jab, 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 right hook, which is give, 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 ask.
0: So good. That is so, oh my gosh. I'm like, yeah, this is so good. I'm definitely, even like myself, I'm like, actually, when's the last time I've asked? Like, when's the last time I've actually said, hey, this is exactly how you can work with us. You can book a phone call. Like, that is just so, so cool. And such a good reminder that it's Mm -hmm. okay to, it's okay to ask. And actually, it's really important to ask as well. It's important to ask.
1: And it's important to ask often because- Again, so maybe I see Laura's post and she's saying that, you know, she's taking on new clients in the agency and I'm like, oh my gosh, I love her work and I just love to work with her. And I'm on Instagram and then like my kid slams through the door and like 87 other things happen and I forget to click on Laura's Calendly link and go book a call with Laura. You know, um, it, it's not my response. Like, I'm going to forget 87 other mm. things are going to happen in my house and in my life until the next time I see Laura saying, hey, we have opening for clients, you know, kicking off in June who want to accomplish this, this, this and this. I'm like, oh, yeah, I've been meaning to to book a call with her. So it, it's thinking through that idea of reach and frequency. And this goes like back, Lord, to my my radio advertising days. Right. Like you know, it's not enough to just run one commercial during morning drive. Right. Like you have to run it over and over and over again um, to get people's attention Uh the data used to be, you know, seven. Now it's up to twelve times to get people's attention. So they're saying it's like between twelve and sixteen. So we need to be prepared to ask frequently, which means we actually wind up having to up the amount of value we're giving, so we're not just asking all of the time.
0: Yeah, that makes so much sense. That is so cool. Okay, now you also have a, a download on the metrics. So the mm-hmm. the metrics tracker for CEOs who really want to focus on growth, talk to us about that, because I know that's going to be helpful.
1: Yeah. So the metrics tracker is really what you just asked me, like, what numbers are you tracking in your, um, you know, in your business? Like, what should we be tracking? So we've just created a a cool little form for you to use to take and make your own. Um, So it kind of walks you through what different metrics we track and what we train our clients to track. um, So you can
0: take that and make it your own. So yeah. cool. Okay, now final thing I have for you. <laughs> so we've got the free metrics tracker. Look at me go. Yes. Look at me segue. I know. The free metrics tracker. We're gonna include a link to that um, in oh, our perfect. show notes. But yep. I have some rapid fire questions for you. Ryan. Let's do it. Let's do rapid fire. Look at you. You're getting you're you're shuffling in your seat. You're ready. That's <laughs> it. Okay, finish this sentence. Success looks like uh messy action. Messy action. I love that. Okay. One thing small business owners need to stop doing today.
1: Worrying about what other people think.
0: Yeah. Totally agree with that. The biggest piece of advice that you wish you knew when you started your business.
1: Oh, wow. There are a lot of things that I wish that I knew. I think actually that it will take longer than you think that it will.
0: Yeah. Which is the worst because you don't want to hear that, do you?
1: (laughs) You don't, but I think that there's so many people promising fast results that it actually just perpetuates this, like then we think there's something wrong with us because yes. like, I didn't become a millionaire overnight. Why not? That guy in that Facebook ad said that I should. So for me, I'm like, <laughs> yes. yeah, no, it's it's going to take some time. And I want people to know that. So, cause I think people will wind up, wind up opting out because they think, Oh, there must yep. be something wrong with me because my growth didn't look like that person's growth. Um, but what that person didn't tell you is like the three years lighting up to, you know, their overnight success. So for me, it's, it's always going to take longer than you think that it do and then it should. And that that's Okay.
0: Yeah. And also how much they spent to make a million dollars. That's the other thing. I'm like, if you're going to talk about that, l- let's, let's have a little bit of uh, transparency on the other side and tell us yes. <laughs> what, what did you spend? Yes. That's what I want to know. <laughs> yes. And final one, what has been the most valuable investment you've made in your business?
1: Business coaching for sure. You know, yeah. I vested in a business coach long, long, long before um, I had any business financially to be doing so and I think it has greatly, greatly accelerated my growth and opened doors and opportunities and built networks that I would not have otherwise built. So by far for me, um, coaching and then shortly after that
0: is team. Incredible. Well, Ryan, you are wonderful. Thank you so much for joining us. There are so many pearls of wisdom in this that I am like, I want to go back and listen back through because I just love how practical you are. So thank you so much. I know our community are going to love this and really be able to implement this. So thank you. It's It's been a pleasure.
1: Yes, it's been a great conversation. Thank you for having me.
0: So there you have it. That is the play-by-play for this week. Isn't Ryan incredible? Like, just what a wealth of knowledge. I love how practical and simple her approach is. Now, if you want to continue the conversation, jump into our Facebook group, come in, say hey, we'll um, welcome you with open arms and it's going to be great. We'll, we'll even sing that song, Arms Wide Open by Creed. It's really good. We're going to sing you that when you come in. Don't let that stop you from coming though. <laughs> All right, I'm going to finish. I don't know what I'm saying now. Don't forget to subscribe. Don't forget to leave us a nice review and I will catch you next week. Same time, same place. Go get 'em.